Welcome to Radiate Church Online. We are so excited about what God is doing here at Radiate Church in Elgin, South Carolina. If you have a story that you would want to share about the impact that God has had on your life, you can share that story at youmatter@radiatechurch.net. Also, if you'd like to give, you can give by going to radiatechurch.net or you can give to our ministry by app. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message from God. Good morning, Radiate Church. Do something for me. Turn around, high five a lady around you. Do two of them, high five two of them and say, Happy Mother's Day. They may not be a mother yet, maybe they're going to be one day. Maybe they're a spiritual mother, but just say happy Mother's Day in the room. Come on now. We are here for you today. We're so excited. Man, I love being a part of a church that gives back. Anybody with me there? Man, I love it. I love the fact that uh, for every first-time guest card we get, we donate $5 to a local charity that makes a difference in our community. And for every Facebook check-in today, we're going to donate a dollar to Toby's Place and sister care uh, in Kershaw County today because we want to donate to places that make a difference in women's lives. Come on, somebody. So good. God is doing some amazing things at Radiate Church, and we're excited. We had to bring out chairs in the room for 10 o'clock today. No rain going to hold us back, right? So we're excited that you are here. We are in a series called All In. Uh, and we have been in that series for two weeks. If this is your first time, or maybe you've missed some of that, I'd love for you to go back on our website or our app and uh, check that out, our YouTube or Spotify uh, podcast as well. Uh, you can check it out there. But we're in week three of All In, and, and I'm going to give it a really creative title today, all right? So you, this is going to be hard. You might want to write this down. Uh, we're going to title the message today, Mother's Day. <laughs> I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know that that's going to be hard for you to remember, but... Uh, I, I don't want to just talk because in this moment, in this day, a lot of times we can come and think uh, that today is only for ladies. And so men, some of us can come and we'll nudge our, our, our wives or our significant others uh, before we get here and we're kind of buttering them up so that their heart is ready to receive what God is going to speak into their life today because God knows they need it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Calm down. No, it's that I want all of, I believe that the message today is this. That God really wants to speak to all of us about one thing, and it's this, small things equal big things. Small things equal big things. I, my son, I have a seven-year-old son, a five-year-old little girl, and an 11-month-old little boy. The 11-month-old is more rambunctious and wild than either one of the other two. It is ridiculous, right? And so we're in this thing, and my son, my seven-year-old, uh, he loves putting together Legos. My 11-month-old loves eating them, <clears throat> Right? And so we have to watch that. But my seven-year-old loves putting together Legos. And he got mad not too long ago because he spent hours upon hours. I mean, like, he can do this. He sits down for hours. And, and he put together this monst monstrosity of a dinosaur. And it looked amazing. Uh, like, it was this kit. And he put it together. And it took him a couple hours. And he did a great job. And my, my, my little boy, my 11-month-old, we were up there doing something. And he went straight for guess what? The dinosaur. And he broke the dinosaur, the head fell off, and the eyes went rolling around. Like, it was ridiculous, right? And my son, my seven-year-old, got frustrated. And I said, hey, in true dad fashion, right? I was like, hey, it's no big deal. You can just put it back together again. 
And he looked at me like, no, you don't under, understand. Um, I like Legos. The problem with Legos is, is I don't have any patience. Uh, anybody in the room with me on that, right? It's a fruit of the Spirit that is yet to yield fruit in my life, right? I, pray, I really do pray for patience. I'm doing better than I used to, uh, but uh, I don't have the patience to sit down for two hours and put together a dinosaur. I just don't, because at the end of the day, here's what I know. It's going to sit on a shelf. I want to do something that's going to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I spend a couple hours putting together a dinosaur, it better move on its own and lay an egg and birth another dinosaur. Right? That's just where I am in this thing. But here's the thing about Legos, and this is why my son looked at me like that when I made that statement, and this is why it's difficult for me, is because all at the end of the project, you get this beautiful dinosaur or building or castle or house or whatever you're building. However, it takes a lot of little pieces, right, to fit together in order to make the beautiful side of it, right? So you get to the end of it, and sometimes you can get so caught up on the little pieces of the Legos that you forget what it's going to look like at the end. And so at the end, you're going, oh my goodness, I did that, right? Anybody ever done that with anything? It doesn't matter what it is, right? I remember the first book that I wrote. Uh, I remember you get caught up in the words and you forget what the end is going to be like and what it's going to feel like whenever you get that out there. It, it's very much the same in parenting, right? You don't know what you're doing. Listen to me. If you're not a parent yet, let me just tell you, you're not going to figure it out. You're not. I don't care if you've been a parent for 45 years. You're still sitting there going, I don't know what I'm doing, right? It just is what it is because a lot of little things add up to a lot of, to one big thing. And I, I want to really show you today. And, and kind of break down the fact, I want to give you some encouragement today, whether you're a parent or whether you're not, whether you're a mother or a father, a spiritual mother, a spiritual father, it doesn't matter. I want to give you some encouragement today, and it's this. If we do a lot of the little things right, by the end of the time, the big project will come together, it will all make sense, and it will be beautiful, and something that you can put on display because you're proud of it. It just depends on what we do with a lot of the little things as to what the big thing is going to look like. And so I just want to show you a quick video today. Uh, we've got some parents trickling back in from taking their kids to Radiate Kids, but I want you to watch this video. It's about a minute and a half or so of what it looks like and the difference that can be made when we do a lot of little things that equal up to a big thing. If you would, pay attention to the screen for me for a moment. Did you catch that? 
Did you catch that? That it was a barren, nothing desert. And there was a man that saw it from tropical paradise to a barren desert. And he said, I don't like what this has become. So every single day, let me do one small thing that seemingly may not make a difference at any point in time. And every single day, I will plant a tree. And over time, what happens is it begins to reproduce and it grows another tropical paradise that now attracts deer and rhinos and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and all this stuff, right? And the truth of the matter is, is he didn't look and say, I'm mad at something and then wait on somebody else to do something about it. He said, I am not happy with what this has become, so I will do the little things that add up to make a big thing so that at the end of the project, I can look back and be proud of what has taken place and the transformation that has happened. And I don't know about you, but I'm really grateful that my mom and my dad and my spiritual fathers and my spiritual mothers and my influences and my mentors and my professors in college and my teachers in high school and everybody that meant something in my life did not look at me and say, that's a barren desert and I don't think that there's anything we can do, but they started doing the little things when they think that I wasn't even paying attention that has now added up to something that I hope that at the end of my life that they will be proud of. I am grateful that we got a room full of people today that I believe will take up small Legos to put them together and piece them together so that at the end of the day, the project becomes something great. And maybe you're sitting there and that video just by itself has challenged you to a point to where you go, I feel like there's something. And I'm, here's what I believe. Every one of us has got a barren desert somewhere that God's calling us to start planting trees in. Whatever it is in our life. I'm not talking about physically. Maybe it is physically. But I'm talking about in a spiritual, emotional, mental role. There are people and there are things in our lives that God calls us to make a difference in. But listen to me. We all want to chase the big project at the end of the day. We all dream of the big dream. We all dream of the big building. We all dream of the big castle. We all dream of what it's going to look like at the end of the day. But the truth of the matter is you don't get to the end without going through the process of the little things. And if we miss the process of the little things, if we miss the process of the hurts, if we miss the process of trying to figure out what to do, if we miss the process of praying through when we have no direction, if we miss the process of people turning their back on us, if we miss the process of making hard decisions, then the bottom line is I believe a lot of times the answer is in the process, not at the end of it. Often we think if we can just get to the end of the journey and into the process and we can get to the end of it all, everything's going to make sense and it's all going to be okay. Can I tell you that's a lie of the enemy? It is in the details that some people say the devil is in the details. I believe that the success is in the details. I'm not a details guy. I'm a more of a big picture, big vision type guy. I have people around me that look at me and go, hey, I know we're throwing this big dinner, but you do know we need forks and plates, right? That is a true story. I did a golf tournament one time, showed up, had everything there except plates, forks, napkins, cups, and drinks for the lunch. And they were like, where is that? I was like, I didn't even think about that stuff. I'm not a details guy, but there is success in the details of our lives. And I want to show you today through the story of somebody that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but it's a great New Testament pioneer that led amazing churches. His name is Timothy. 
And there's actually two books in the Bible that Paul wrote to Timothy. And Paul was his mentor. Paul was his spiritual father. Paul helped him and led him and, and, and guided him. Timothy led churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. He led churches in, in Berea. There you go, Berea. And Thessalonica and Philippi. And, and, and the thing is, he carried, here's how, here's how much Paul trusted him. Paul trusted Timothy to carry the money that was given to Paul for any need he would come across as he was traveling from church to church to church. He trusted Timothy to do that. In fact, when the Romans imprisoned Paul, Timothy was by his side caring for his need. Timothy was serving his mentor and his spiritual father in a great way. Timothy made a difference. Timothy is a real hero of the New Testament. Timothy did some amazing things. But there's some things that I think we need to understand because I don't think anybody in the room today would say that I don't want anybody under my care, under my influence, under my stewardship, under my parenting, under my spiritual influence to ever grow up and make a difference. I don't think anybody would say that. In fact, I think everybody would say, I want everybody that I influence to make a difference in this world. And so I think it would be really interesting, and I think it would behoove us to look at somebody that did that and how it took place. And today we're actually going to break it down because there's some things that took place in Timothy's life that if we would do these things, hear me, if we would do these things as moms, as dads, as influences, at work, at home, with our friends, I'm telling you right now, the world will look different in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that. Anybody with me today? There's three quick things I want to show you today. The first one is this. There's three things we have to plant in order to make a difference. But they're not big things. Hear me today. This is not a glamorous message where I'm going to look at you and I'm going to give you the blueprint of a 30,000 square foot castle that you're going to move into one day. Today, I'm giving you little Legos that you can build on that will make a lifelong difference in your life, in the life of those you influence, and in the life of those they influence. And it will carry the first thing we can plant. The first thing we can do is this. We have to learn how to plant faith. We have to learn how to plant faith. I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read, uh, 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 no, I'm sorry, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 through 7, okay? Here in the first two verses, hear how Paul greets Timothy. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved son. My beloved, here's why that's important. Hear me today. This is kind of a side note. If you're influencing people in your life as a parent, as a spiritual parent, as anything, you need to affirm who they are in you. Who are they to you? Part of the problem with most people in life is not that they don't know they have purpose. It's they don't know how they fit into your life. Paul looked at him and said, hey, you are my beloved Son, In other words, I love you. I see you as an extension of me. You are a part of my family, and I'll give anything for you. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse, follow me through verse 7. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way the, my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 4. Longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. Hear this. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of, of my hands. 
For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Verse 5, hear this. It says, I am sure that there is faith in you because of the influences you had in your life. It says, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, they implanted faith in you from a young age. Church, hear me. Parents, hear me. Influencers, hear me. The truth of the matter is, if we don't look at our children, if we don't look at the next generation, forget the next generation, if we don't look at our current generation and begin planting faith in people, do you know what faith is? Faith is believing something even when you don't know if it will happen. I have faith that my wife loves me. Why? Because when I mess up, she's still there. My wife loves me because no matter what, she doesn't walk away. I have faith that my God is bigger than anything that I can handle. Why? Because I've seen him do it in my life and I know that I'll see him do it again. Faith is we don't walk away when it gets hard. In fact, we stand up a little bit taller and bow our chest out a little bit further because the faith rises up in us and I'm not doing it based on external consequences. I'm doing it based on an internal faith. We have to learn to plant faith. You know why people walk out on decisions and commitments and promises all the time now? It's not because they don't believe it. It's because they don't have faith to stand through it that it's all going to be okay. Why do we give up so quickly? Because I don't know that I really have faith that it's going to be okay at the other end. Listen, I, I have parents ask me this question all the time. How do I know my kid's going to grow up and be okay? And I just have to answer them. You don't. You don't. My, I know my parents had to watch me go through a phase in my life that probably hurt their heart. And the truth of the matter is, you could probably say the same thing to an extent about your life. But the promise is this. If I remain faithful, if I seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto me. Hear me today. We've got to learn to plant faith in a generation to where faith is not preached. And I'm not talking about faith that he'll heal you, faith that he'll save you. That needs to be faith. I'm talking about we got to start at the basics. Sometimes we just got to go, I got faith that he's going to be there by my side no matter what. I got faith in this marriage that it's going to be okay if I base it on God. I got faith in my promises of who God is, of what they're going to be and what's going to happen in my life. I got faith. Some of you are singing the old song in your, fa- in your head right now. Got to have faith, faith, faith. Whatever helps you remember it, but the truth of the matter is, we've got to learn to plant faith. Did you hear what verse 5 said? Paul looked at Timothy and he said this, writing a letter. He said, I know that faith is in you because I know who you submitted to. I know who you allowed to speak into your life at a greater level. Hear me. The voices you allow to speak into your life is who you will become. The voices you hear the most are the voices you will become. That's why most of us are living a faithless life and wondering what's happening. Hey, I go to church and I do this and I do that and all these things. And the thing is, is going somewhere and listening to the person is completely different than listening to everybody else's opinion and negativity. Are you with me today? We got to learn to plant faith in some folks. Hey, I know life is hard. You know, listen, let's go back to the illustration, the Legos. I like Legos. My son likes Legos. My little son likes to eat Legos. All that stuff, right? Legos are fine in our household. But the truth is, is there's some nights I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I go to get a glass of water or don't judge me, but I need a little snack at 2 a.m. But my eyes aren't adjusted to the light. They're adjusted to the dark, so I leave the lights off. 
And I'm walking through the living room and lo and behold, there's one spare Lego that hasn't been kicked under the couch yet. And my foot is going to find it. And you step on it and praise God, you start speaking in tongues in that moment right there. <laughs> and if not, you might should because the other words aren't good. Because <laughs> it hurts. But I don't look and go, I'm throwing you out. Maybe you should throw all the Legos out. But we don't tell our son, hey, I'm done. I'm finished with you. You cannot live here anymore. Hear me. But how many times in life do we step on a spiritual Lego and then we look at God and go, I don't have enough faith that everything's going to be okay, so I'm throwing you out because of what I just stepped on. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It's going to be frustrating. There's times in life where you're going to go, where are you, God? But just remember, during the test, the teacher is always silent. Just because you can't hear him doesn't mean he's not teaching. It doesn't mean he doesn't see what's happening. It doesn't mean he's not over your shoulder paying attention to the grade. He just wants to see where you're at on the test. We got to learn to plant faith. We got to learn to plant faith. Somebody say faith. faith. Just go ahead and say it. You got to have faith. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to stay in 2 Timothy for our second point. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 says this. It says, um, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. There we go again. Knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> if we plant faith in people, guess what comes next? Salvation. Man, so good. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Hear me today. The Bible is not a book that's just going to make you walk away and go, I've got everything all together. It is good for reproof and correction and righteousness in all situations. If we're not reading the Bible and getting challenged, we're not reading it the right way. I can't read the Bible under my mind and under my simple uh, uh, objective and expect to walk away going, oh man, I got all this together. I should be able to read the Bible and go, you know what, God? I'm sorry, I need to really get better at that. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because, as we talked about last week, our heart rate is getting in, our heartbeat is getting in rhythm with His. It says it's good for reproof and correction and for trading in righteousness with, in, in righteousness in verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The second point is this. We have to learn to plant truth. It says that right here, it says from childhood that you have known the sacred writings. His grandma and his mom made sure that Timothy from the very young age knew what the Bible said. He knew what, Bible, what the Bible said, what the teachings, what the sacred writings, what the ancient writings, what the law of Moses. He knew what all of that said. And because of that, there was wisdom in him that superseded the years that he had. There was wisdom in him that superseded the experience. Have you ever met somebody and you want to look at them and go, how did you get so dang smart? Right? My brother is a brainiac. I want to look at him sometimes and be like, how did you get so smart? He's got a wisdom about certain things that supersede his 40-year-old his mind, that supersede his experience that he's had in life. Why? Because God gives us wisdom whenever we submit to the things we need to learn from. Hear me today. We cannot complain about the direction our kids are going if we don't even raise them in the Word. 
I cannot complain. Hear me. I cannot complain about my child not being involved in church if I don't even serve in the one that I call home. Hear me. Let's get real. I cannot complain about my child not loving God when they never see me pray, raise my hands, or go through adversity. I cannot complain that my child doesn't know how to love people that are important to them when they don't even see me love their, their uh, mom or dad. Here's the thing. we got to raise people. we gotta, we got to plant truth. we got to look at them and go, hey, here's the bottom line. Like, the word of God is true. It is, it, is, it is good for reproof. It'll make you better, but it'll also make you feel good. It'll get to a place to where you go, man, you know what, God? I'm sorry I did that, but I'm so grateful that you love me and you gave up everything for me. You know, one of the greatest things, if I'm going to brag for a moment, that as a parent that I get to experience right now in my life, my wife, I, I, fl I flew out of, out of the state uh, this week, and my wife told me as I was talking to her on the phone one night, she said, I had to turn the light off on Brody tonight. And I was like, really? You had to, like, usually he's pretty good. He'll go lay down and go to sleep. I said, yeah. I said, really, why? She said, because he wouldn't stop reading the Bible. And I went, well, praise God. If that's the only problem we got, let's go. <laughs> you know what TV show right now they want to watch? They don't want to watch Netflix. They want to watch, watch right now media that our church gives access to to help with discipleship. And there's a show called The Mr. Phil Show. You know what The Mr. Phil Show does? It breaks down the Bible. And one of the greatest things, and I know, listen, you're sitting there going, yeah, wait, it, it ain't going to last too long. <laughs> it may not. But it may. And I'm going to be grateful that my kids get to watch my crazy schedule, watch my wife, her crazy schedule, watch my wife and I go through adversity together. I'm going to be grateful that my kids get to watch frustration in hard decisions, but they still love the Word of God. Why? Because we have to anchor, here's the problem, we've anchored people with opinions for so long that now nobody knows how to stand strong on anything. We gotta learn to anchor people in truth. Just because your opinion is passionate to you doesn't mean it's right. We gotta anchor people in truth. And here's the thing, what you think is true today may not be true in five years. Because the deeper you grow and the deeper you go, the more things change sometimes. Because you learn a truth that is deeper than the opinion that you grew up on. I grew up thinking that church, that you had to sit reverently, never make a noise, you couldn't do anything, you had to sit. If you opened a mint wrapper too loud, by the great, there was gonna be a lightning bolt that came down on the top of your head. I sat in the mid uh, right section of our church all the time. I'd open a mint wrapper and just be like, sorry, Jesus, I just, my breath, just gotta have some. But you know what? The more I learn, the more I understand that the kingdom of God is not some place that's real quiet and just like it's a funeral. It is a celebration and a party for the people to be in the kingdom of God. I don't have to worry about the other stuff. Last point, and I'm done. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy. And hear this, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Before I give you this last point, I want you to hear this. 
Jewish people were never supposed to marry outside of their belief system. She married a Greek outside of her belief system. I don't know why, doesn't matter to me. But here's the third thing, we have to plant grace. Hear me, I know without a doubt Timothy went through a lot of trials because of his mother and his father because he was mixed race mixed belief he was all these things that should not have been combined he went through trials he went through judgment he went through things to where people people judged him based on skin color and upbringing I know it happened because I know the culture in that day but somewhere along the way somebody influenced him and planted grace in his life and here's what grace is. It's giving to others what they don't deserve. Some of us sitting in the room today, can I be real honest, are holding on to something that grace can release. You're still mad about some of the way somebody treated you at the previous church you went to. Let it go. They're not even there anymore. You're still mad about the thing that somebody said or did to you two years ago give them grace just believe it was a bad day and let it go because it's holding you captive not them hear me today grace is the ability to go through a hard situation and offer something that they don't deserve to them well if i forgive them or i offer them grace it makes it seem like it's okay no it doesn't it makes it seem like i'm gonna give you forgiveness just because i love you hear me today plant faith plant truth and my God, we need more grace in this world today. Who cares about skin color, socioeconomic status, where you live in the world, what you're doing? We are all one person in the kingdom of God, red-blooded people that God looks at and believes in, and it's time for us to start treating each other that way. Your spouse is not your enemy. The other skin color is not your enemy. The person that makes more than you is not your enemy. The church down the street is not your enemy. No, the only enemy we have is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principality of darkness you don't have to wage war against them wage war against him it's his problem not theirs plant grace forgive more than you ever thought you could and love harder than you ever thought possible influence people in those ways and I promise you if we'll take those little Legos and we'll build on those by the end of our lifetime we're gonna reach a place to where we go you know what I think I've built something that God would be proud of today. I think I've built something that can make a difference. I think I've poured into somebody that's going to be the next Timothy. I think I've poured into somebody that's going to lead churches and lead ministries in their workplace and pray over people and lead a difference in the kingdom of God. Because hear me today, if you got breath in your lungs and blood in your body, there's purpose in your soul that is meant for us to live out. In the moment that we stop building on the small things, is the moment that the big thing will, will suffer. You may feel like you're a small part of a big thing. Congratulations, because it's a cornerstone that holds the entire building up. His name is Jesus. He's just building you around him. Let us live our lives to influence Timothy's. Let us live our lives. Moms, I, I developed this for moms, but as I got through it, I was like, you know what? This is for everybody. Let us build small things that make a massive difference 
Because I don't know about you, but I cannot be okay leaving this world worse than it is right now. I cannot be okay going to my heavenly home and saying, well, I made it, but there's 500 other people that I should have brought along the journey with me. You with me today? Hear me, parents, grandparents, extended family. Hear me, church family. Hear me, anybody with anybody in your life. I promise you, if you'll plant faith, if you'll plant truth, and you'll plant grace, this world will be 100% different in just a couple years. And we'll start to see the shape of the building take place. I'm not telling you that because I think that I'm some great prophet. I'm telling you that because it's scripturally based and it's shown throughout scripture. If you would, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? In just a moment, we got a host that's gonna tell you a couple of things and let you go. But I want the opportunity to do two things. I want the opportunity to pray over those that would like to give their hearts to Jesus in just a moment today. And then I want the opportunity to just pray over every person that we would build on the small things, that we would build on the little things that make the big structure. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes today and if you're in the room and you say pastor I need to submit my heart to Jesus I need to give him everything I have and I, I'm, I'm ready this is my day I want to walk in a new life with him and in salvation if that's you would you just hold your hand up right where you are today and symbolically say I'm giving Jesus my life right here amen anybody else hold them up high we got a clipboard that's going to slide in your hand just because we want to walk it out with you and that's all it's going to take just hold it up high amen 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 Four people in the room right now are giving their lives to Jesus. Amen. Yeah, that's fine. Hold them up. If you don't have a clipboard yet, keep holding it up. Keep holding it up. And I just want us to all pray together as a family. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeing in me what I may not see in myself. I lay down my past, my present and future, and I give it to you. Walk with me, forgive me, wash me clean. Today, I start a new life with you, Jesus. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God. Church, will you put your hands together for poor people that gave their lives to Jesus right here in the room this morning. Amen. God, we thank you for who you are. Help us walk out of here and build on the small things so that we can make a big difference in this world for the kingdom of God. We don't want to walk out of here the same. Let us walk out of here redeemed, rejuvenated, and refreshed to make a difference where we are. Father, we love you and honor you in your name. Amen. Come on, church. Come on.